Welcome to Catholics Coast to Coast. It's another chance for us to get to spotlight some of the great podcasts in our Podcast Central section at EWTNRadio.net. This week we want to encourage Catholic men, always trying to do our part to bond and accountability. It's the things that make us great in our faith. And this week on The Catholic Man, Adam and David are taking the defense for the intellectual life. What are the enemies of knowledge and how do we develop that intellectual lifestyle? We'll get into it this week on our Catholics Coast to Coast. Welcome to the Catholic Man Show. We're on the Lord's team, the winning side. So raise your glass. Shout out to all the men who are doing XS90 in the Northeast. <laughs> Uh, respect. Much respect to you guys. You know, we did a conference in uh, outside of in Wista, outside of Boston, not too long ago. Do you mean Worcester? No, I mean Wista. Wista. Uh, and turns out the water is much colder over there, uh, and so the cold showers are there's some extra ex- grace. extra grace in that in those extra cold graceful. Cold I mean, really, showers. it's like lucky. Yeah, I'm so jealous of you guys. Yeah. You guys get all that extra grace? Uh, I'm over here it's just... It's not even fair. Trying, but just can't get there. Yes, you so... You guys need to share some of the grace. Uh, I'm assuming that uh, people in North Dakota, Montana, Wyoming, Canada all share first of the all, same experience. First of all, I actually don't feel very sorry for people who live in North Dakota because, like, you live in North Dakota, okay? I, to this day, I understand now, like, we have modern homes like central heating. What I can't figure out is like about a hundred years ago when mm-hmm. people were like moving across the country, mm-hmm. my dates might be wrong, but they got there and said, this is it guys. Pitch the tent. I think, uh, the homestead's I, yeah, here. <laughs> exactly. I think, uh, we'll stay here. Yes. We like negative 20 degree weather. Yeah. It's like, I don't get it, but Hey, so, you know, yeah, I don't know. That was, uh, but that was an for experience all, for all I, folks. I guess. I, I guess I just did not realize how cold water can be without freezing. Until then, you know, and that water is probably only like forty degrees. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, like w- water, it it hurts. It hurts. Uh, even like fifty degree water, you you get hypothermia in fifty degree water. Hmm. Fifty, fifty, fifty. If you're in fifty degree water for fifty minutes, there's a fifty percent chance. You have hypothermia. Man. How about that? Boy Scouts. There you go. The back, things the things you back remember. Back whenever it was with for boys. Yeah. And people knew what that was. Right. So uh, today is Palm Sunday. That we're recording this. We're recording yes, this on but Palm it, Sunday. Regardless, it's Holy Week. It's Holy Week. I just wanted to tell a story about what happened in Mass today. Very well. Because So the liturgy, uh, we did it a little differently. We started outside the church for mm-hmm. that entrance gospel reading. Um. And then we processed all together into the church. So it's a little bit chaotic when you've got the whole... It's like the land run. You know it how, was a little bit you know, like a land like run. like how, you know, at the beginning with Oklahoma, we said, like, all this Indian territory, we're going to just auction this. I mean, it, 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 if you can get there, it's yours. Right. Same scenario with pews this morning. Right. And you're, like, going to your seat, just trying to be polite, trying to resist that thought of, like, somebody better not sit in my seat. And not throw elbows. Right, you know, um, so we got to our pew, you know, which is, you know, it's our pew, all right? right? It has Niall's name on it. Right, we paid for it, or I don't know, Uh, and... There's a lot of people that hate 
like uh, the, the, you're still like, okay the, but yeah you whatever but like i'll bet they still sit in mostly the same place we, like it's not just church when you go to when you were in we're college you sat yeah. in this you know like we're you just show habit. up in a classroom like, you probably sat in the same place all the time you know what i mean yeah it's familiar so in a, the pew that we sit in is a large one and it's uh you know my family uh pamela's parents my parents and my sister and her kids so there's there's eight children and six adults. It's all beautiful. Though. It's, it's great. The, and it's the, like we're all a, f- a family. We can all sit together in this big pew. It's, it's awesome. Right. Um, and so today in the chaos, my uh, the, um, my wife's parents were already there. And and so there was this lady. She's never been to St. Benedict's before. She's visiting. Mm. Uh, and I think her name was April. She was coming down the aisle and sees this pew, which with just, you know, like this couple uh, about her age. And she's mm-hmm. like, wait, I'll sit here. Mm-hmm. At that moment, she walks into the pew. What she didn't realize is that the Dvorak's, my sister and her family, were right behind her. Right behind her, mm-hmm. about to come in. And as soon as she walks into this pew, uh, Pamela and I also enter the pew on the other side. So, so she get, she goes. She's supposed to get landlocked. Right, she did. <laughs> she went from going like, "Oh, here's a nice open pew," to going like, "What happened?" <laughs> it's like a setup, and. Immediately, so when Pamela and I see this lady like filing into the pew, is like, oh no, this poor woman. She has no idea what's about to happen to her. And so we just started laughing because immediately all of our kids like walk to the other side to go sit with their cousins and like it's a little bit chaotic with sure. our. And she's watching all these kids like <laughs> piling. Like, is this who the are these family? Like, she, what's happening? Right, who are these kids like walking by me? What are you doing? You know, and then she puts it together and she starts. She said she was first of all, she loved it. Okay, so good. You're right. It could have gone either way. Right. Uh, But she she thought it was wonderful because it really is nice to get to see all these. There's uh, seven girl cousins that are all very close in age, you know. Anyway, that was just a pretty funny story. But did she uh, hang tight? She did. Oh, she stayed. Good. She did say, oh, do you want me to leave? leave? And everyone was like, no, come on. You're in the family now. Like, I'm not getting up. All right. (laughs) we're not moving right <laughs> so it was just pretty funny nice yeah yeah uh that is it's always funny when that happens uh same same with us we have we have apu you know right we, we, your dad your parents fair, they didn't they didn't make it they weren't quick enough they were they they, they didn't were actually, they sitting with they were sitting with they were sitting uh, with, with my, your my sister, my sister yeah, yeah and brother-in-law uh they didn't we were not originally planning on going to the 9 a.m mass today oh um but we had change of plans uh, at the last minute, so we called an audible. What were you gonna do? Uh, just, we we're just gonna skip. <laughs> uh, wait, no, uh, we were gonna go to five p.m. It was gonna be uh, Luke's fishing tournament today, and uh, it got canceled because the tournament got canceled. Yes, because of the the severe wind. We've been having some crazy wind. Yeah, and so I decided uh, to take my greenhouse down on Friday. It was probably a good call because it blew. O- it broke. Right, it's broken. It blew over. Yeah, that stinks. It's like, well, I guess I'll take that down since it's already down. Yeah. <laughs> it's about time anyway. Okay, so tonight we're uh, drinking a bourbon. Yes. I'm going to sw- switch. I think we've been, I've having... been drinking it. Oh, oh okay. Sorry. Uh, we are uh, having Jefferson's Reserves. It's the Pritchard Hill Cabernet Cask Finish. So it's their eight-year, it's Jefferson Reserves eight-year whiskey okay. that they finish for 
12 months, roughly. Oh, that's a long time. And uh, a Cabernet, in, in Pritchard Hills, Cabernet cask drink. Now, I'm, what they do is... I'm excited to know what the price is on this bottle. On this okay. Bottle. Well, but what they do is... Uh, I, I forget where it's supposed... Where, where it's uh, barreled, but it's really hot. And they do it in the summer. Mm-hmm. To really get, get a lot of expansion, yeah, get a lot of expansion and get it uh, to go into the wood and, and then back right. out uh-huh. uh, over those twelve months, and so that's why you can see it's like it has almost like this very red, got tint. a great color, yeah, a red tint to it for the Cabernet. And Pritchard Hill is known, you know, in the Napa Valley area to have very, very nice uh, red, red okay. Cabernet um, wines. Uh, it's t- top of the hill, so it has high elevation and. Um, May, I, I don't know. I, I'm not. A, I'm not a wine guy, but apparently yeah. that helps with the 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 way grapes grow. With like the wine, the wine, yeah. the fermentation the of, the, of the of the wine. Right. So, uh, and I got to give a shout out to. Uh, actually, this bottle was bought for me, uh, for in uh, congratulations for John Dominic. Oh, uh, by guys that I work with at Chancery, Deacon Garlic, Doctor Malosh, Doctor Aaron Henderson. All three have been nice. on our, our. Oh, and David Dean. So all everybody who bought it for me has been on. They've on been the on Catholic, our show. Yeah, been on, been on the Catholic Man Show. Uh, but yeah, so they all pitched in and bought this bottle of uh, of whiskey for me. Do you know what the cost is? On it? I think it's about roughly seventy dollars. Okay, because Jefferson uh, Reserve is typically not. It's a, typically a, a, a very affordable. Well, their their main line, yes. Yeah, uh, all of their. Uh, extra bottled and things like that. Their ocean, re- ocean, man, what is it called? Ocean Reserve or something like that. Uh-huh. Uh, that they have is like 140 bucks. No kidding. Yeah, I mean they have a lot of really high like that's that's kind of strange that entry, you would have that you'd have your like you know uh, main dish is is like 35 yeah like bucks. 35 bucks and then but then they quickly jump up to the they have a 70 dollar okay. range and then they have like 130 150 dollar range yeah so we're well, on the Lord's team the winning side so raise your glass cheers cheers, cheers to Jesus cheers Jim. Cheers. So yeah, like we said, it's a very dark red. Mm. It's really mellow on the nose. Yeah, you can get the dark uh, fruit notes to it, the the cherries, the raisins. Mm. It's, uh, it's very inviting. Of, yeah. Yeah. It's also delicious. Mmm. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's why I was so excited to hear the price because I was really hoping it's gonna be like forty dollars. <laughs> you know, it's like that is really uh, pleasant. Yeah, I, it's. Uh, you said seventy-five, seventy. I think seventy. I mean, that's wow. a fa- it's a fantastic, fantastic bourbon. When we get back, we're gonna hear the yummy scale on this. Yeah, I think it's gonna be relatively high. We'll see. We'll be right back. What, what are you doing, Jim? Is that Father Nicholas? Yeah. Since the earliest centuries, Catholics have been called to sanctify the home by making it a little church. Family meals, shared gathering spaces, and the most mundane tasks, all of these are to be taken up into the higher dimension and bathed in prayer. But in the modern world, it is easy to lose sight of this fact and shape our homes around the latest consumer trends. In Living Beyond Sunday, the Niles and Minahan families take the mystery and guesswork out of the domestic church, showing you how to sanctify your home simply, wisely, and practically. Every Catholic family should own a copy of this book. That endorsement is from Sam Guzman, the Catholic gentleman. Go check out our new book that we have out by Ascension Press, ascensionpress.com, Living Beyond Sunday, Making Your Home a Holy Place.
Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan. We are Sans Juan. We do have Jimbo Baggins in the house. And Jimbo, what's the yummy scale on this Jefferson Reserve? You're a bourbon guy. Yeah, 4.8. 4.8. 4.8 yummies. I, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if we've ever had a 4.8 recorded on the yummy scale. I think scale. last week we said a 4, and we were like, what? This is 4.8. Now we're at a 4.8. We're in, we're in new, ter- new territory right here. So I, Uncharted I just, waters. Yeah. Speaking of uncharted waters. Okay. That makes me nervous. I'm getting two cows tomorrow. Yes. I'm pretty excited about it. That's going to be interesting. Yeah. Uh, the the kids, we've been, they, when we found out today that we're doing it tomorrow, the stockyards, Monday, it's the only, uh, all, you know, it's every Monday, that's the auction. It, so are like, you all your fences up? Yeah, the fences okay. are up. I still have some to repair. Because you know, like, in areas where fences, the, the, the cows, they don't they, know what is your yard. Yeah, right. Yeah, I got that. I do have fences to repair in areas where They're the like, cows no, will not be. We're good. I got a uh, shot collar on for them. Right. I don't know if that would work or not. It's like, you know how like when a dog's in your yard, when the dog's in your yard, it obeys. Right. So it should be fine. It should be all right. But uh, we're pretty excited. The kids were thrilled that it's actually happening tomorrow. Right? Okay. So we're all going to go okay. to the auction. you name one tender, one loin? Yeah. So they asked, can we, they asked like, well, can we name them? And I said, sure. I mean, but you got to remember, we're going to kill them mm-hmm. and eat them. So I just want you to know that. I try to use like blunt language. Mm-hmm. To, to set the right precedent, you know, don't okay. get the wrong notion about this animal. Okay. So, Did they receive it well? They kind of said, yeah, yeah. Can we still name it? And I was like, go for it. Yeah. What are they going to name it? I don't know. Probably something dumb. <laughs> <laughs> they're not the best at naming things. Well, actually, they're, that's not it. It'll probably be, if history is a you know, guide, it'll be something very girly. Sure. Uh, but so I, I don't know that they've ever, they don't have much practice naming boys. And I'm going to, I'm probably going to, I'm going to try to get two steers. So. Okay. Uh, we'll see. I don't know. I'll let you know. I'll report back. Okay. Brisket is a good name. I like that. And that's a great name. Yeah. I think associating it with the food mm-hmm. is, is a good. Yeah. And sirloin, like sir. And loin. Sirloin. Yeah. 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 I like that as well. I don't know. I'd pitch those ideas and see what happens. Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna let it. I'm just gonna let it happen because I don't. I don't really be girl names. I don't really care what they name the cows. <laughs> They'll end up being girl names. It's to- totally fine with me. Yeah. Uh, Jim also wanted to let, uh, remind us, he, or he did remind us, and he wanted us to let you know that we have a shop. So if you go to CatholicManShow.com/store, you can find some of our stuff. We still have beanies, hats, a few hats left. Uh, we have some T-shirts, hoodies. Uh, obviously, the Catholic Man Show Glen Karen glasses etched with lasers, the Catholic Man Show logo on it. the The best party, uh, like drinking vessel you can uh, you can get have it out of the glare. And it's then we also good. have uh, sixteen ounce beer can beer glasses, also phenomenal for just drinking water That's right. or anything else. Also important to remember when you receive a package from us after ordering something in our store, make sure to save the box. Because after Jim dies and he's declared a saint, that will be at least a third-class relic. Yes. At least. At least. 
I mean, it depends on how long the box spent I mean, in his home. Jim, oh, also, just FYI, Jim is our shipping and logistics manager as well as our bodyguard. So we're not Amazon, right? So if you order something or you become a patron, because all patrons uh, that are $10 or more a month get a Catholic Mansion Glen Karen glass for free as a thank you gift. Uh, but we're also not Amazon. So you got to give us a couple weeks, uh, you know, maybe, maybe three, four weeks for us to get everything out. Uh, so... Just I know that's not normal. That's not the normal thing. We're accustomed. Get it. Other people are better at it. Yeah, than, we're accustomed to like that instant gratification, frame, but, but that's not us. So, yeah, that's true. Anyway, uh, CatholicManshow.com. You can find it there. Yeah, support our show. That'd be awesome. That would be awesome. We'd appreciate it. So, what are we talking about today, Adam? You want you want to jump in? Anything else? I do feel like there was something else I was going to say, but I don't mm. remember what it is. I do want to talk about something else real fast. All right. Dave and I have reached a new level in our show. I don't know if it's causation or correlation. I'll let you guys be the judge. But it appears when Dave and I travel by plane and we order a drink on the plane, we do not have to pay for it. It's Studies are still determining the cause, whether it is... Uh, simply the divine will. Whether it is the Catholic Man Show. Because of our outrageous fame. Or, and as a, Ridiculously good looks. Which is, I think, viable. But, and as a control, they're also testing coincidence. Just as a control. As because a control. That's, I mean, we all know that's not it. But three, at least on Southwest, if you want to fly, fly Southwest because they don't make you pay for your drinks, all right? That's <laughs> just what it comes down to. If you have their stock, sell. Right. That's what I said. Like, I'd be selling stock because they're just giving alcohol away like crazy on this airline. We ordered uh, one on our way home from Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Didn't have to pay for it. Then on, on our way back from Boston. We, we were like, what nice guys. Yeah. They just like let us order it. Like, they didn't and, make and, us pay. And we were like... I think they forgot. Right. Like, when has this ever happened? Like, we lucked out. This is, this is, what a great day. Big time. You know, because it's like, oh, we're landing. I guess we don't have to, I guess we're not paying for our drinks. All right. So then on our way home from Boston, two flights in a row. So really, three flights in a row on Southwest, where we, we ordered, ordered, drinks. ordered drinks. And the one from St. Louis to Tulsa, I looked around because, you know, the writing was starting to be on the wall. And there was a lot of people who ordered drinks. Nobody paid for them. Well, they knew it was on the house on us. Or something. Uh, so anyway, that's been cool. <laughs> so if you want to have us out for your Catholic Man Show or your uh, Catholic Men's Conference. Hopefully we can fly Southwest. And that'd be great. Yeah. Get some free drinks. And explain that you were flying on a feast day for Exodus Night. Oh yes, so we it was were, it was the Annunciation uh, and well, a Sunday and a Sunday. Yes, so we did not do anything illegal according to Exodus ninety. Yeah, yeah we don't want to scandalize fo- any. We're still following the guidelines. Yeah, Exodus youngsters have, out there. We're very uh, we're at the home stretch. Happy day eighty four. Eighty four. Yep. Uh, okay, so yeah, so I want to make a defense today tonight that every man. Is called to be an intellectual man. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, I would like to uh, throw out a few 
suggestions this is based off of. This is a phenomenal little book. If you are um, starting, like if you, maybe if you, maybe you just came into the Catholic Church and you, you start realizing all the uh, Catholic giant, intellectual giants that the church has produced. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you don't even know or some even of them. Even maybe some people at your parish who like, wow, that guy is, knows a lot. Right, and, and maybe you have been let's just say reading Scott Hahn and, and uh, Dr. Edward Tree and like all these like really great Catholic, you know, modern writers. And you're Brent like, Petrie, Brant Petrie, another, another great one. And you're like, I want to, I want to go deeper. I want to go back earlier. Uh, and you're trying to formulate your intellectual life. You're trying to, to make a plan on like, how, what do I do? How do I do this? And you start realizing, I, I'm not even sure where to start, right? You know, you have Aquinas, you have Augustine, you have Bonaventure, you have uh, Bernard of Clairvaux, you have uh, St. Teresa of Avila, you have Lazou, you have like all these different, like, just beautiful, intelligent, yeah. holy Catholics throughout the ages. And you just don't even know where to begin. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, like, obviously the Bible, which is, should be where you should start. Oh, yeah. You know, St. Peter, St. Paul, you know, uh, all these phenomenal Catholic intellectual uh, thinkers. It can be overwhelming. It can be something that... uh, You can can literally start anywhere. You you can, like... You can. Uh, But any of those people... I think that it's... I I think it's beneficial to really think through before you start, you know, have the end in mind, you you know, be intentional about the way you think on on, on your studying. Uh, You know... For instance, right now we're reading Homer. You, 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 and I, and a couple of other men in a Sunday Great Books group, mm-hmm. and we're reading Homer because Homer is like kind of the the starting point of Western culture, right? Yeah. And we can't really read Plato yet without reading Homer because Plato is referencing Homer a lot. So if you if you read Plato without reading Homer, you kind of miss some things, mm-hmm. and, and it's not as rich. So we read Homer, so that way you can read Plato, and you read Plato, so that way you can read Aristotle, and you read Aristotle, so that way you can read Boethius, and you read Bo- you know, and it goes on and on and on, right? Okay, so I think that's a good, good uh, plan, a good way to go about your intellectual life, uh, a, a way of of starting to read literature. Mm-hmm. I also think, though, that it can be overwhelming. And I I know that there are a lot of men out there who are incredibly busy, and don't right. have a reading schedule. They're they're listening to us and be like, yeah, that would be really nice to have a, to be able to sit down and read, mm-hmm. right? To pour scotch, light a fire, and you know sit by the hearth and just read. Yeah, honestly, that's why I stopped listening to podcasts a couple years ago. Well, don't do that, or at least don't or listen- dial. I dialed it way back. I yeah. do. I listen listen I, to the Catholic Man Show. Obviously, Natural. obviously, but uh, I started just uh, listening to audiobooks. It's hard for me. <clears throat> I recognize that, uh, you know, like distraction is a is is a real struggle for me in my prayer life, in my day to day life, and I think it's because of the things I just said. You know, like, right. um, you know, this de- this device in my pocket that I carry around with me, it's like tugging at my concentration. It it it, it tears it away, um, and so it makes it more difficult. Yeah, he says that passions and vices relax our attention it scatters it and lead it leads it astray and that and that our passions and vices injure the judgment in the in roundabout ways uh of which aristotle and others have scrutinized 
these type of uh, distractions and, and reasons of, of being mm. able to do so. But so I, I really liked how he says that passions and vices relax our attention. So it's a, you know, it's not a, uh, it's not a positive. It's like a negative, you know, right. like it's, it's a, taking away, it's from, taking a, away from, a from a good. Yeah. It's taking away from a good, like evil, like evil is a deprivation of right. the good. Right. So right. like these, vi- these vices and passions take away from something that is good uh, and, and, and relaxes our, att- I, I just really like that idea of relaxing our attention mm-hmm. because what happens, I mean, this, we've talked about this, uh, on the show before, but you know, like what happens with King David when he relaxes his, his concentration of being a king? Bathsheba. A lot of temptation arises in men is when we're not concentrating. Well, men being men, stepping up in our intellectuality this week with the Catholic Man Show. Make sure you check out uh, previous episodes or future episodes at our Podcast Central section at EWTNRadio.net. As we continue with Catholics Coast to Coast, we're going to continue to challenge us men in our walk with God. The Catholic gentleman is taking on the question of if everywhere we see men lacking in virtue, true masculinity, or grit, what does it take for us to be able to help boys become men? And one commander in the U.S. Navy, Brandon Hale, is going to join the show this week doing some things that really is the art of storytelling. So we'll get to that coming up after your break. I'm Ace McKay, and you're listening to Catholics Coast to Coast. The destination for great Catholic audio programming is EWTN Podcast Central, featuring the best of EWTN radio, as well as faith-filled podcasts from our friends and affiliates across the nation, all in one place, all free. If it's central to the faith, you can find it on EWTN Podcast Central. It's like podcast heaven. Visit EWTN.com slash radio slash podcasts today. As we continue with Catholics Coast to Coast, we're going to continue to challenge us men in our walk with God. The Catholic gentleman, what does it take for us to be able to help boys become men? I'm Ace McKay, and you're listening to Catholics Coast to Coast. Welcome, gentlemen, to another edition of the Catholic Gentleman podcast, and we're happy to have you with us. As we are interviewing a guest who uh, many of you might have heard of, uh, or more importantly, more heard of, uh, or heard of uh, the works that he's produced. That's the Prince Martin Epic series. And I don't know about you, but my kids absolutely love these books. I've been reading them to them for years, and uh, they just keep coming, which is really delightful. So we are joined today uh, by the author of the series, uh, Brandon Hale. Uh, to just introduce Brandon a little bit for those of you who may not be familiar with him. Uh, he is the author of the Prince Martin Epic, a rhyming action adventure book series for boys. He's an adult convert to Catholicism uh, who first considered the faith when he read the biography of J.R.R. Tolkien in 2002. And Brandon holds the rank of commander in the U.S. Navy, serving as an attorney in the Judge Advocate General's Corps. And he has 20 years combined active and reserve service. And for a civilian day job, he has worked in federal law enforcement for the past 15 years. Uh, he lives in the Oklahoma City area with his wife, Stephanie, and they have five children ranging in age from 6 to 18. Uh, the idea of the Prince Martin epic came to Brandon when he told his young son Prince Martin stories on the phone when he was deployed overseas. 
For fun, Brandon enjoys reading and writing fiction, lifting weights, shooting, hunting, fishing, and four-wheeling on his family's 160-acre Lazy H Ranch in northeastern Oklahoma. Uh, and so thank you so much for being with us, Brandon. Uh, we're, we're so glad to have you. Hey, guys, I appreciate it. Good to join you. Thank you. Wonderful. Yeah. And I, I love how, uh, you know, these stories that really have reached, I don't know how many, maybe you could share a little bit, but like thousands of Catholic young people at this point, uh, my kids included, they just came came out of your own storytelling to your kids. And uh, my kids love having me tell them stories, even though I don't consider myself very good at it. But when did you kind of uh, tell us how you got started telling those stories to your son? And then when did you kind of decide to take the leap into maybe writing it down into a book? Yeah. So I was in 2015, I was deployed overseas. I was a reservist at that time, uh, formerly active duty. I'm still in the reserves, but I was deployed overseas for six months. And I had a four-year-old boy at home named Thomas. And when I could call home during the deployment, uh, I'd, I'd talk to my wife, I'd talk to my daughters, but when I talked to Thomas, after a few weeks, he just kind of got tired of talking to me. I was a four-year-old kid talking on the phone, didn't have a lot of patience for it. And I felt kind of like we were losing our bond because he'd always been my sidekick and did everything with me. And then I get sent off for six months. And so I started racking my brain, how can I connect with the little guy while I'm gone? And so when I would talk to him, I'd start telling him a Prince Martin story and I'd just make one up on the spot. Unlike the books, my stories didn't rhyme. I, I couldn't make up rhymes on the spot. But I just, I'd tell him a story, and uh, he loved it. And the next time I'd call home, he'd beg to talk to me, and I'd tell him a story, and I'd call home again, and he'd beg to talk to me. So it worked out. And then when I got home, he still wanted to hear those stories. My wife suggested to me, well, why don't you try writing one, turn it into a book? And so I thought about it. And I thought, okay, that'd be fun. And I started to write in prose. And it just seemed a little bit boring. And I reflected on all the books I've read to my kids over the years and how the ones I didn't mind reading for the 10th, 50th, 100th time in a row to a kid were the ones that rhymed and would just kind of roll off my tongue. And, you know, Dr. Seuss book, for example, Horton Hatches an Egg or uh, The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. You know, I could read that book a thousand times and it's still kind of fun to read because it flows. And so I resolved to try to put the books in rhyme. And unfortunately, I don't have any natural rhythm. And it was my wife who pointed out to me that I wasn't understanding what using this tetramanic, this, uh, this rhyme scheme that I use, um, I wasn't putting the emphasis on the right syllables. And so I started studying how it was done in other poems and uh, tried to fix it and eventually got to where I could do it fairly successfully. So that's, that's the short story of how those books came about. Wow. I think that's really exciting. And what a blessing uh, to your son and to all of us that you, in a way, manned up uh, to to stay connected with his with your son. I think that's just incredibly powerful. And I, I just appreciate you do that. I appreciate your service. Um, it, it, that's a fun and impressive story. Um, so you didn't have previous experience I'm hearing on, uh, on writing, you just had to learn it. Did you find that it came by naturally for you? Or, I mean, forgive me, when you finally got into the groove, did you feel like yeah. this was something you were meant to be doing? Has there ever been that aspect? Cause I know you've come out with a lot of series and, uh, and you know, you're probably continually sharpening your skills and honing them. So I'd love to hear about that. Yeah, well, as a lawyer, I'm used to writing a lot. 
And okay. so writing comes naturally. Expressing myself in the written word has always been natural for me. And after writing these Prince Martin books and spending hundreds, thousands of hours in this anapestic tetrameter verse style, I can almost think in that rhyme scheme now, which is a little bit odd. <laughs> I'll be driving down the street and a, a line for a book will come to me. And so the development of that ha has been fairly natural. I'll tell you what I do is when I write in the morning, I'll get up really early in the morning, like 0, 0430 in the morning and write for an hour. And it's kind of like compound interest. If you write for an hour every day, it starts to add up pretty quickly. And, and you can crank out some books that way. But what I'll do is I'll write for an hour and then I'll go lift weights or I'll go on a run and I'll swipe my fingers down on my iPhone and have the robot voice on my phone read back to me what I've written. And if the robot voice sounds pretty good, then I know I've got the emphasis on the syllables right and I know I've got the rhyme scheme right. And uh, I can catch a lot of my own mistakes by listening to the robot voice while I'm exercising. So I get about two hours in every day uh, doing it that way. Wow, that's fantastic. There's a lot of discipline involved of like pushing yourself to just get up every day, just do it. Um, you know, the, the, the challenge for writing is always that creativity doesn't always strike when you want it to. Um, and so just that discipline, that grind of just getting up and just writing, writing, writing. So how did you find the illustrator? Um, and do you have a, a more books in the works? Yeah, the, the finding of the illustrator is a fun story. Uh, it doesn't exist anymore, but there used to be a G.K. Chesterton Society here in Oklahoma City, and we would uh, meet and we would discuss and read the books of Chesterton at an Irish pub here in Oklahoma City. And then afterwards, we would uh, just hang out and talk. And it was just a group of guys, probably about 10 to 15, sometimes 20 Catholic guys. And I was talking to a small group of them after one of our meetings about this book I was trying to write and how I tried my own hand at illustrating the book and how my illustrations were terrible. And a friend of mine said, well, I, I might be able to do it. And he's a graphic designer by trade and, and by education. And Jason Zimdars is his name. And he uh, took a stab at drawing Prince Martin and what he thought he would look like and some of the er other characters in the story. And I loved his work and we've been working together ever since. We actually go to the same parish together and uh, we're friends, you know, outside of the series. He's a good friend of mine and he's really talented at drawing and I'm moderately talented at writing and putting the two together. I feel like we've come up with a, a fun series of books for, for boys. Oh, that's exciting. Let's actually talk about those series of books for boys. Cause there was, I mean, other than the great story of why you got into them, there's like a direct intent behind those books. And I think that's really important for all of us to hear because we live in society right now where we all love the hero's journey, right? We were, <clears throat> it's just kind of a part of the archetypal nature of men to go on adventures and to see other people do the same thing. But what we have to look at today is like the Marvel um, superheroes, right? And the Marvel superheroes, uh, I mean, Hollywood is, is, uh, let's say uninspired uh, or inspiring at, at creating superheroes that not only maintain their virtues, but also fight against vice. Very often we see individuals like Tony Stark or Batman or these people who have both, you know, great virtue and great vice. And they, they kind of uphold the two as if they have to work together, but that's not really great storytelling. And so um, you having a history with Tolkien and Chesterton, as you just mentioned, you kind of understood those things. 
Um, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about the intent behind your book and what you're hoping to uh, pass along to uh, the young men in in our lives and, you know, in the gathering. Sure. Well, I think that boys want to be challenged and I feel like society as a whole doesn't challenge boys as much as they're capable of being challenged, you know, whether it's being challenged morally or physically. And reading the books that were available to boys, I was underwhelmed insofar as I felt like they were, if not scatological, kind of gross out type books or books that were just silly and absurd and didn't challenge a boy in any way, didn't challenge his vocabulary, didn't, didn't challenge him to aspire to the acquisition of virtue, didn't challenge him physically, overcoming a difficult situation physically by you know, mustering up one's grit to get through something difficult where you, where you feel like you want to quit, but you know the right thing to do is to push ahead. And so I wanted to create books that challenge boys in that way to make them develop those virtues, those acquired habits uh, that become virtues to, to become good men someday. And I just wanted to try to, in my own very limited way, baptize the imaginations of boys when they're young and, and maybe when they get into difficult situations as teenagers, you know, wanting to quit the wrestling team or, or whatever, they'll, they'll remember books they read as a boy and be like, no, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to push ahead. Or, you know, in the Christian life, all the difficulties we face, we face and how easy it is to turn aside or go astray and to draw back on something even rattling around in a boy's subconscious that he read as a kid. That's my modest hope of, of, of how I can contribute. So just kind of uh, one of the things I appreciate about the Prince Martin series, um, and I hope this isn't received the wrong way, but is is that the Catholicism is kind of in the background. Like you're not leaning, like Prince Martin isn't going to church and like receiving the sacraments and things like that. And and the reason I think that's important is, is you know, this implicit Catholicism, this like it's the virtues, the values, the truths of our faith, like obviously influence the whole journey of like chivalry that Prince Martin is on and like becoming going from a boy to a man and like growing in that way. And yet you see with like Tolkien and things like that, that that his faith was also informing everything he wrote about. And yet it was kind of in this in the background. And yet there's 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 kind of a power in that. Um and so I'm just wondering, like, has the uh, audience for this expanded beyond, you know, Catholics? Uh, have you heard from other people who maybe aren't Catholic, but who like deeply love this these books and like have gained something from them and kind of absorbed some of those Catholic values uh, unknowingly, if you will? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've gotten lots of emails and letters from boys who I can tell come from evangelical families and I, I welcome that absolutely. And not to compare myself with Tolkien, but you know, looking at how the master did it, his Catholic faith was implicit in everything he wrote, and maybe not even always conscious. I think he once said that it was implicit and unconscious in the original writing and, and more conscious in the revision of his stories. And his books take place in a pre-Christian world. You know, I, I like to think of the Prince Martin story occurring in a, in a world 50,000 years ago that may be covered over with water right now. So it is certainly not explicitly Catholic or even explicitly Christian, but my Catholic Christian world worldview is absolutely implicit in what I've written. And I, I try to be 
subtle and I have no agenda with the stories as far as advancing any aspect of faith other than advancing a Christian worldview. And I, I want it to be implicit and I don't want it to be considered to be an allegory or anything like that. But um, I, I do think that people with eyes to see and ears to hear will certainly pick up on and recognize symbolism that would certainly be uh, considered Catholic if you knew what to look for. And, and Christian, just the, the sacrificial uh, life of Christ, I think, is reflected in every book. You know, the, the manful picking up the cross and carrying it. Uh, I think there's that theme in every book, a theme of sacrifice and you know, manfully carrying your cross. I think that is in, in all of my stories so far. Excellent. And so tell me a little bit about your conversion story. So you were at Baylor and not Catholic, and then you decided that Catholicism was the way for you. What is that? What did that look like? Yeah, it was, it was really just a, a grace. I think for me, um, I, I grew up in a Christian home, went to a Methodist church. I had wonderful parents who instilled the faith in me and we prayed as a family. We read Bible stories as a family. And I went to church every Sunday and youth group every Wednesday night. And then my parents very graciously sent me to Baylor, which is a fine Baptist school. And I had a, a good experience there. And and frankly, in, in growing up and going to public schools, I don't think I ever knew any Catholics. And I certainly never thought about Catholicism, which is probably inadequacy in my own education and history and uh, mainly in world history. But I don't think I ever consciously thought about Catholicism. Uh, throughout growing up in high school and college, I, I think I knew Catholics were Christian, but sort of Christian. I, I thought it was like a an odd variation of Christianity that that had no effect on me, at least. And it wasn't until I was in law school and I started uh, taking my own faith more seriously that I was reading a lot of C.S. Lewis and I was reading other Christian authors like C.S. Lewis and the Lord of the Rings movies had just begun coming out. That trilogy had just begun showing. I think the first movie came out and it rekindled my own love of Tolkien, which began when I was in middle school and all through high school and read the series several times in The Hobbit and um, loved the stories, like absolutely loved them. And watching that movie made me reread the series. And then I thought, oh, I want to read a book about Tolkien. I want to learn about Tolkien himself. And I was at a time in my life when I was in law school and I was already doing lots of reading, lots of writing. And so I was very into studying something hard and considering it carefully. Had no kids. And so I had uh, an unusual period of my life where I had time to study Catholicism. And so it was in that um, context that I read this biography of Tolkien by Joseph Pierce, who's a wonderful writer. And mm -hmm. I was shocked to discover that Tolkien was Catholic. And then I was further shocked to see how his Catholicism had so informed the books he'd read, he'd written. And then I started realize, Oh, okay. Well, I, I certainly have never picked up on that before, but that's, that's really interesting. You know, the limbus bread, how that is a, almost a, a symbol of the Eucharist never occurred to me. I didn't heard of the Eucharist, didn't know what it was. Um, and so reading about Tolkien, who I thought was a very saintly person, I thought, well, if Tolkien was a Catholic, well, maybe there's something to Catholicism. And so then I started reading a lot of the books that, that many converts have read, Peter Kraft, Scott Hahn, Patrick Madrid, um, Thomas Howard. And I started reading book after book after book. I was a, in my second year of law school. And then I told my wife, hey, there's actually something to this. 
And I would pass on the books that I read to my wife and, and she was skeptical to say the least at first, but then she started reading the books and she was just as convinced as I was. And so uh, we were received into the church. It'll be 20 years, uh, this feast of the Assumption in August. And we were received into the church in August because I was shipping off for Navy duty the next month to begin my wow. Navy career. And um, yeah, but for J.R.R. Tolkien and but for me coming across The Hobbit uh, as a middle schooler in Tulsa, um, you know, way back in the 90s, I don't think I would be the Catholic that I, that I am today. Which wow, has been, thanks, which has been the greatest grace that has ever happened to, happened to me. Ah, what a journey! That that's that's exciting. And so, um, you decided. So you were in law school. So you decided you wanted to become a lawyer. When did you decide that you wanted to enter into the military, or was that always kind of in the back of your mind as you were walking through uh, law school? Yeah, I, I think I wanted to go into the military before I wanted to be a lawyer, and it's because. All right. It's funny how the things you, you and this is kind of my thought with writing these books, it's funny how the things that you experience as a kid can color your impressions for the rest of your life. So I mm-hmm. first saw the Tom Cruise, Jack Nicholson movie, A Few Good Men, when I was probably in eighth grade, maybe freshman year of high school. And I thought, wow, this is a wonderful movie. How cool would it be to be a Navy JAG and, and trying cases in, in a military court and interviewing witnesses in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. This is exciting. This is very <laughs> dramatic. And watched the movie several times. And in college, I just thought, you know, that's what I want to do. I want to become a specifically a Navy JAG. And so I went to law school and started applying as soon as I could to try to become a Navy JAG. And uh, I'm glad I got in when I did because it's become a lot harder. I, d- I doubt they'd take me now uh, if I was just applying in the first place. But I was uh, lucky enough to be accepted into the program when I was in law school. And then after law school, uh, I shipped off and did my Navy training and five years of active duty. And then I've been in the reserves now for about 15 years. Yeah. So, so being a convert to Catholicism, like how has that informed all the different dimensions of your life? I mean, as a husband, as a father, as uh, a professional and someone in the military, like how, how has uh, being Catholic kind of shaped your development and growth as a man? I think something I really like about it is that there are Catholic churches anywhere you go. You know, if you go on vacation, you can go to mass because there's a Catholic church. If you're overseas for some reason, you can go to a mass for, because there's a Catholic church. If you're on a military installation, you can go to mass because there's a chapel with a, a Catholic chaplain. And in, in my day job, uh, there is a Catholic church just down the street, and I can pop in twice a day if I wanted to. You know, I'll, I'll go to daily mass once or twice a week. I can pop in for confession very easily. And, and just having the access to the sacraments through the physical presence of Catholic churches everywhere uh, has been something I really like about being Catholic. I, I certainly like the uh, sacrament of confession and, and, and walking out knowing that my sins are forgiven and feeling it as well. It's just a sense of peace that comes from that. And uh, something else I like about being Catholic is just the inexhaustible well of enriching books that have been written, you know, over the past two millennia, you know, you read something from St. John Chrysostom or St. Augustine or St. Thomas More, St. John Fisher, uh, you know, all the way up to the present 
Walter Chiswick is someone, uh, he's, a, I think he's a servant of God, but I'm not positive. Maybe he's a blessed Walter Chiswick, but he wrote a book called He Leadeth Me. And gosh, I, I can't think of a, a better book than He Leadeth Me or With God in Russia for a man just about, you know, taking your faith seriously and uh, embracing the difficult parts of being a Catholic uh, in this culture, in this day of age, this day and age. You know, you, you read about Walter Chiswick and these under these other underfed Catholic prisoners in the gulag who in these mm. sub-zero temperatures would skip lunch. You know, they were underfed to begin with, but they would skip lunch to go sneak off into the woods to celebrate mass in secret. You know, that's taking your faith seriously. And it, it makes me feel ashamed, you know, of my own lukewarmness in so many ways when I when I read about someone like uh, Walter Chiswick, Father Chiswick, and his faith, or Father Vincent Cappadano, who mm-hmm. was a Navy chaplain who died on the battlefield in Vietnam, Lieutenant Cappadano. He was ministering to a Marine who had been shot, and then I'm not sure if the Marine had been shot or if he was injured, but he was ministering to a Marine, and while doing so, Father Cappadano caught 17 M16 bullets in the back, and it killed him. Uh, there's so many inspiring stories like Emil Capon, the, uh, the Kansas farm boy who became a Catholic hero in the Korean War. And just the superabundance of inspiring stories about saints or soon-to-be saints or people who should be saints um, that are available to us as Catholics and can just give us examples to aspire to. Um, I think that's been something that has been a huge blessing to me in my own faith and my own uh, journey as a Catholic man. Well, Brandon, I'm going to jump right in and I want to talk to you about fatherhood because uh, you've got uh, three uh, daughters and two sons. <clears throat> you've definitely uh, had to learn a lot. Not only did you have this uh, experience of storytelling and how it can help your boys, but um, what are some of the the pearls of wisdom and things like that that you've been utilizing to help your your young boys become men? Here at the Catholic Gentleman, we're really big on these rites of passages and things like that to help guide men. You've experienced a rite of passage uh, both in marriage and in and uh, in Navy, no doubt, and uh, things of that nature. So I'd love for you to spend just a moment and and share with us, you know, uh, some of the some of your thoughts on fatherhood and what we can be doing to help raise better men um, that are more um, capable of handling the the evils and uh, attacks of the world. I remember reading one time that whether a kid keeps his or her faith as an adult has a whole lot to do on how seriously or unseriously they perceived their father's faith growing up. Not necessarily their mother, but their father's faith growing up. And, and so I have tried to be, uh, you know, to the best of my ability, a spiritual uh, leader as a father in my family, trying to initiate Bible stories or saint stories or prayers with my family. Uh, we, of course, always go to Mass on Sunday, which is a, a given. But as far as rites of passage go, there's something that I certainly didn't come up with, but I've been the beneficiary of. My son goes to an all-boys Catholic school called St. John Bosco here in the Oklahoma City area. And they have, uh, I think they started it, but they're at the very least very involved in this pilgrimage called the Three Hearts Pilgrimage that uh, goes from, oh, about 36 miles away from Clear Creek Abbey, and you hike on foot 36 miles to Clear Creek Abbey. The pilgrimage ends at the Abbey. 
And I wasn't able to do it last year because I had military duty, but the year before I did it for the first time with my son. And I felt like that was just a wonderful opportunity to do something physically difficult with him. Uh, you know, my legs were killing me after the first 25 mile hump on that first day. And I, I thought at the end of that first day of walking 25 miles, I think it was that I'm not sure if I could have gone another mile if I wanted to started getting blisters at the end of the day. And, uh, you know, he kept up the whole time and he was, I believe nine or 10 years old. I thought that was pretty impressive for a nine or 10 year old to be able to keep up and not complain. But, uh, then you spend the night camped out in a tent and the next morning you finish up and do another 16 miles and you end up at the, at the pilgrimage. And it's almost like, uh, an arduous journey and you, you have heaven in your sights at the end of the journey when you see the big Abbey church up there. And I feel like that's a really neat rite of passage for a kid, especially a Catholic kid to do something physically hard and then have that reward at the end. You know, they had, they had barbecue waiting for us and drinks and there was a mass and uh, then you hop on a bus and go back to your car and, and drive home and uh, looking forward to doing that again in October. And, um, my son is too, and it's just a, it's grown every year. And it's a really neat opportunity for a father and a son to bond together, doing something difficult and offering up that difficulty uh, to Christ and his church and uh, you know, for reparations for sin and, and that type of thing. I think that's excellent. And I completely agree with you. I think us men need to be looking for those opportunities uh, to do things like that with our sons. So that's exciting. I hadn't heard of that. Yeah, princemartin.com. So www.princemartin.com. Uh, it's the best place to look. It's got all the books for sale, information about the books, information about uh, my friend Jason, the illustrator, and me, and kind of the origins of the series. And, um, you know, the books are also available on Amazon or whatever, but uh, princemartin.com has got them all accessible in one place. You can also download the first book for free, at least the grayscale black and white version of it. We have both color versions of our books and then a, a less expensive black and white version of each book. And you can download the first book for free and see if it's to your taste. And um, so, yeah, well, I appreciate you guys having me on the show. This has been fun. I've never been on a podcast before. So thank you for inviting me. And uh, yeah, when, when you contacted me earlier this week, I never would have imagined I'd be on a podcast this week. So it's been fun. Well, you're most it. welcome. Yeah, what a blessing to us, Brandon. So thanks so much for all the work that you're doing and for joining us today. Yeah, well, thank you guys. And good all luck right. to you. Yeah, thanks so much. As we end each of our episodes. Be a man, be a saint. Men learning to be men and helping to raise our level of faith in God this week with both of our podcast spotlight. As we continue throughout the week, don't forget you can always download and enjoy anytime previous or full episodes in their entirety at our podcast central section. Just go to EWTNradio.net and we'll do it again next weekend. Have a great one. Remember to let God define who you are. I'm Ace McKay and I'll see you next week on Catholics Coast to Coast. <music>